Welcome. This is Reasons for God, Part 9, Typology. What do we mean by typology? Well, typology is basically persons, places, or things in the Old Testament that foreshadowed were fulfilled uh, by some person, place, or thing in the New, namely Jesus, Mary, Joseph, uh, persons, places, things. It is so cool. Look, you got Adam is a type of Christ, but Christ is the real deal, right? It is so cool. You got to join us. Tell us a little about, about Mary. You got... 15 seconds. Well, Mary's the new Eve. If there's a new Adam, there's a new Eve. Uh, there's also uh, Mary as Ark of the Covenant. You think about what the Ark was in the Old Testament. If that was so great and holy, imagine Our Lady the New. Mary is the Queen Mother. So she fulfills all these roles. And once you see that, you're like, okay, I know why we have Catholic devotion to Our Lady. Watch us. <laughs> Join us. Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Well, thank you, Matt. I am your host today. I'm Peter Karutz. We are here live in studio with Sean Miller. How are you? Doing well, praise God. Yeah, and we're dressed up today. This came to a graduation from my daughter of high school, so she's the baby girl. Congrats, congrats, So I flew congrats. out of there. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. It is an incredible day. So you went to a graduation, and I cut out in the middle of a mass today, and that was the ordination mass. So i just like to welcome the, our newly ordained priests. They were deacons when I left. I think they were priests by this point in time. Uh, we have a deacon... Charles, Deacon Jacob, Deacon Josh, Deacon Ryan, who was a, a transitionary deacon for a year in our parish, and Deacon Jacob Wessel. But I have to, before we start, let me tell you what the program's about, and then I got to tell you about Josh. So uh, this is Reasons for God, Typology, Type. I t t <laughs> Let's do it again. Reasons for God. It's like part eight or nine. I'm not sure. It's, We're I, on the letter P for prophecy. This is part two of like prophecy slash typology. So we're going to be getting into kind of a continuation from last time and getting some of these biblical types that show that this has got to be God. He has a master plan. And the typology <laughs> stuff is great. But let me tell you about this. But let me tell you something here. Uh, I, I started coming here and working with this uh, organization, uh, St. Uh, it's, it's Joseph Radio, nine, eight, nine years ago. And uh, I was working with the Catholic Men for Christ conference. We put on a conference every year, usually a Super Bowl weekend on, on the Saturday. And we were meeting um, at the Regali Center, but it wasn't our normal day. And it wasn't our normal room because it wasn't our normal day. And we're down in the basement in the corner. And in the middle of our meeting, some young man comes in the room. And he, he says, are, 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 you, are you the guys who organized the Catholic Men for Christ? We're like, yeah, yeah. He says, well, I, I just wanted to thank you. He says, my father dragged me to it. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, uh, 
I'm going to come into the church. I'm in RCIA. And we thought, wow, that is cool. So then the guy, then he leaves. And at the end, you know, we're all volunteers and we get all our jobs. Joe Bastian says, Peter, you find that kid, do a little interview with him. So I don't know how, but I found him. And I talked to a good buddy of mine in my, in my men's group, Steve Dickett. And I said, what am I going to do? How, what, do you, what do you think? He says, well, go see this lady, Luke Cortese, over at St. Joseph Radio. And she, she has stuff. So I, I got Josh. We came over here. And we sat down, chatted for a few minutes, and Lou says, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, I don't know. Let's, uh, we'll do a little, a little one. We'll do a three-minute and an eight-minute. And, and he said, oh, okay. So we sat down. We did, we did it twice, two takes, one, one for three minutes, one for eight minutes. And uh, the long and the short is I've been here ever since. That's amazing. A couple of years later, I was in another meeting at the Regali Center for Catholic Men for Christ, and I said to Julie Bostic, who used to work for the Archdiocese, I wonder whatever happened to that kid who walked into our meeting. And she looks at me and she says, Peter, he's in the seminary. Today, his name is Father Dieters. He was just ordained. Yeah. So let me tell you something. <laughs> you know, everyone says, why do, you, why do you do this? Why do you do that? Why should you invite people to come into the church? Why should you share your faith with somebody? Because you don't know what good it'll do. You know, it's not up to us. It's up to God. But, but do something and God will make it good. Well, it's amazing, too, because there's a link, because Josh spent his, uh, I guess, pastoral year at the parish where I work at, and so there's a big group of folks going from Immaculate Heart of in New Melly to go to to the ordination today, and so, yeah, it's just amazing, you know, how our paths cross. That's what I think is going to be one of the real joys. God willing, we attain heaven. We'll see behind the scenes graces and peoples that God puts in our lives at various times. So for all of us who kind of have to walk by faith, not by sight, we just got to keep planting, spreading, talking, living, loving, serving, doing whatever we can, you know, one one little cassette, one little word, or not a cassette, but any more CD or any word can change anybody's life eternally, and that can impact and ripple out everywhere. A kind word, be joyful, share the faith, it's going to make a difference. How do I know it? Because God's in charge. Speaking of God being in charge... We have to start with a prayer. Could I, I? I didn't mention it to you, but could you? Could I hit Absolutely. you here? Well, could you do I mean, one? it's a feast of Pentecost too, yeah, and uh, yeah. we, we always got to invoke the Holy Spirit because Please. I mean, you know, uh, this whole feast day is about going forth in the power and the Word of God and doing our best, <laughs> sinners weak that we are, to try and speak His language, which is the language of love and truth. So let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we invoke your Holy Spirit to come into this room, into our conversation, and upon all the people that will hear this present or future, that we want to just ask them to uh, have their hearts be opened, their minds opened, and we ask for your Spirit just to come come into each of us, that we can uh, follow your lead and walk in your light and your truth. We ask this, Lord, in your holy name, Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. And if you want a time machine, go to YouTube and type in Dieters and Karutz, and you'll You'll get the first, uh, first his first homily, I guess, <laughs> before he yeah. was even Catholic. So, what are we talking about? <laughs> well, this is kind of like uh, this is kind of like the Sesame Street letter P. Uh, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about a lot of things with the letter P in it. So, like the last time we talked about prophecy. So again, this is a a memory aid series using the memory aid jumped. J-U-M-P-E-D, which is our reasons for God. So I try to put reasons for God in a memory aid, and I have two arguments for each letter, J-U-M-P-E-D. So we're on P, and so last time we talked about prophecies, which are kind of like predictions, and this is kind of part two, typology, which are prefigurement. So with the prof- 
prophecies and prefigurements, you look at the big picture and you're like, it had to be God. So, but I, I want to say while we're on just the topic of Pentecost, just a couple things that came that I just think is important to share because, <clears throat> you know, every, every time over the years I've tried to say, you know, how do you evangelize? What is the gospel? How are you supposed to take all this massive data and communicate it in a user-friendly way to people? And and anyways, this past week we're at a Bible study group, and <laughs> this just kind of hit me. So like, you know, a simple way for all of us to say, what is the gospel? What is the Catholic gospel? Because like, you know, in Protestant circles, they, they got like the, you know, these four spiritual laws, you know, God loves you, the, but you know, there's sin, the wage of sin is death, Christ has come to take your life, receive and believe and all as well. It's, it's like these formulas and, and it's all beautiful. But <clears throat> I thought for the average Catholic, you say, what are the three big feasts of, of the church here? When people go to church, <laughs> who are like the, you know, the, those who aren't the daily goers or whatever, everybody recognizes these three feasts, you know, there's Christmas, there's Easter, and there's Pentecost, you know, and really that in a summary is what the gospel is. So like Christmas, God came to earth. He came to reveal himself. That's a big deal. We don't have to kind of wonder about what the plan and purpose of God is. He's came to reveal it in Christ definitively, right? So Christmas and then Easter, God came not just to reveal and teach and guide, but then to also be... Um, Someone who takes away our sins. He died in our place, what, what our sins deserve. So Easter is resurrection. With, you know, if Christ did not rise, our faith is in vain. And, and, and then it, it just didn't end at someone, you know, atoning for our sin and taking care of the sin problem and guilt. But it's also in Pentecost, is that I want to live my life in you. So God is the Father outside, the Son beside, but the Spirit inside. So he says, I want to dwell within you. So it's like, you know... Uh, the Spirit comes then to dwell within us. So God comes to reveal himself, he comes to redeem, and then he comes that we, that, that we are called to receive. So I just want to look at that as like a simple way of saying, this is kind of Christianity in a nutshell, right? You know, God's given us his revelation, he's given us his redemption, and he's given us his own spirit, and so that we're all to receive him. So God willing, these talks are all trying to say, how can I in my own little world try and receive his truth, his knowledge, his grace, and then communicate it? And so hopefully this memory aid will be something good that you can hold on to. So just briefly in summary, what we talked about last time, you know, Fulton Sheen said the great line, if God were to enter the world stage of history, you would expect he would be pre-announced. <laughs> right? That's right. So it's like if... And if he the, was. If the Pope is coming to town or if a movie star or something that you think is great is coming to town, there's going to be some you know, preparation involved. So no other world religion founder was pre-announced, really. Christianity is the only religion that's based upon prophecies. So like we talked last time about, you know, there are hundreds of these prophecies, and we mentioned a few of the biggies, especially in some of the Psalms in Isaiah 53. When you step back and you look at the, you know, you got to say, this, is, this has got to be God. You know? Yeah, because to predict his where he would be born, <laughs> what, what what he would do, how he would die, what he would say, etc. So there's a great line in the Catechism I love. It said, "This is in 5:22, the coming of God's Son to Earth is an event of such immensity that God willed to prepare for it over centuries. He makes everything converge on Christ." So, like, you've probably heard of the bow tie analogy of salvation history. Maybe. Oh so. no, I, I didn't. I, I, now I, I'm going to listen. Tell me. <laughs> well, think about a bow tie, right? And so you, you look at the first kind of outer shape converging on the center. So really, that outer shape is like 
you know, all the old covenant history, the persons, places, things, event, it all converges on on Christ. So it's the feast, the people, the the events, and then Christ comes, and then from there it kind of then spreads out. So Old Testament converges on Christ, New Testament, wham, it it goes out, and we're meant to kind of bring everybody in the kingdom. So in the beginning, here comes Christ until he comes again. We're meant to be, you know, people trying to spread the message. So so like again, that was prophecies. And you would say that this is a great document. Um this is from Vatican II. There's a document called Dei Verbum. And it says what, this. what meaning the word of God? Yeah. Yep. It says the principal purpose to which the plan of the old covenant was directed was to prepare for the coming of Christ, the Redeemer of all, and of the Messianic kingdom, to announce his coming by prophecy and to indicate its meaning through various types. And there's the word, type, typology. So what is typology? It's a study of biblical persons, places, things, or events in the Old Testament that prefigure or foreshadow Biblical persons, places, things, or events in the New Testament. We're going to go over some? We're going to go over some. I can't wait. This is so cool. You know, if anybody thinks that the Bible is just a book, the integration of these typologies or types, if you will, is absolutely incredible. If it isn't a miracle, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Well, and what's amazing is that, like, so the the, um, what was foretold in the Old Testament was great enough in itself, but what's fulfilled in the new is something even greater. So what's, yeah. what's great about it is that when you study these things, you can say, okay, if this was this, you know, like for instance, let's just take the manna, you know, in the Old sure. Testament. If, bread if, from if, heaven. If that was bread from heaven, then what must be the real bread of life that the Lord talked about? You know, so you can see one is like, okay, that's that's awesome. This is massive awesome. So, so again, this is kind of like typewriting. You know, I think about, do you still have an old typewriter by chance? I of the... don't, <laughs> but I know what it is. Well, this is just kind of interesting. So <clears throat> the word type comes from the Greek word tupos, which means imprint. The print is called the type, while the instrument is called the anti-type. The typewriter was aptly named because when the metal letter's keys struck an inked ribbon, it marked the paper behind it. That mark on the paper is a type, and the metal key that made it is the anti-type. So really, God is typewriting his story, history, through persons, places, things, and events. I mean, we talk about writing letters. God writes through events, people, people deeds, yeah. history. So again, <clears throat> this is one of the cool things is that we forget about it, is that when you're looking at the Scripture... People forget that God is the primary author of it. He's the one who is the main storyteller here, and he's using instrumental authors. You know, they're fully, you know, true authors and free, but he's he's guiding them as instruments to kind of type write his plan. So like in Romans chapter 5, Paul speaks about, he says, he uses the word tupos to show the connection between Adam and Christ. He said, Adam was a type of the one who was to come. Now, it's amazing uh, to consider how over a period of like, you know, 1,500 years through various authors, times, places, and circumstances, one can recognize a pattern, another P here, a pattern, a plan, and a unity. It emerges through these various types that would have the God-man as its central character. So then when you look back, step back, and you're like, just like prophecies, you're like, this has got to be God. You know, because like I love that line that Mark Twain said. He goes, he said, history 
doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. Oh, I it's like echoes, it. yeah, right? Yeah. So this is especially the case when you think about salvation histories, right? Yeah. This is God's story, His story, history, the Father's history. plan. Yeah. Well, and this is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. I'm your host, Peter Karutz. I hate to go through this because I want to get back to the stuff. <laughs> We're here with Sean Miller, who is the DRE over at uh, Immaculate Heart. In New Melly. In New Melly. You don't have to pack a bag to go there. You can just drive there. It's not too far. <laughs> and there's this great German butcher there. But, you know, you, you mentioned that first type, Adam. Yeah. Right? Who is Adam? Adam. It is man, mm-hmm. right? First man. And what did Adam do? He rejected God. He sinned, and that sin carried forward. So what did the new Adam We're going to be do? talking about that. Yeah. 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 Christ. New Adam, new Eve. New Adam, new Eve. There's going to be a... These types, you're going to love them and take notes. They're great. So um, first of all, just to kind of understand typology and, and this whole whole thing, I um, want to give a few just examples. So, you know, we're we're made in God's image. And so we're, we're rational beings, and we're meant to recognize and understand patterns. You know, like, for instance, uh, language. Like, uh, if, you're, if I'm walking through a park and I got my dog... And all of a sudden, I see a sign, and it says, walking of dogs prohibited on this property. Like, well, um, I understand that through the patterns of those various letters that says a sentence, I can understand the meaning, whereas my dog doesn't have a clue. So I got to kind of guide the dog. So the dog doesn't get the pattern, but I'm meant to see it. Right. You know, and there's consequences if I don't see it. I can maybe get, you know, uh, get some kind of a, of a fine. But you think about like all all the patterns. I mean, we're, we're in a world that's got a sacramental worldview. We're meant to look behind things. Like um, I got here on the table some of these pictures that magic eye 3D art, you know, when you, when you kind of look at it, you're supposed to kind of stare at it and then look beyond to see the pattern. Oh, well, let me so, see. Let me see. So, so this picture here I that have I no got. Idea. <laughs> so it's got a bunch of, bunch of flowers and things. They got it. it upside down. So no. So when you, when you turn it around, you can see what, what the hit, no, no, <laughs> on the backside. Yeah. Oh. So then you can see that's quote the hidden code. Uh, it's, it's a picture of, of, of this heart. But anyway, you think about all those magic eye 3D things, language, information, Morse codes, sign symbols. Think about all you guys who are hunters out there, right? You're recognizing patterns, tracks, different things. Everybody that works in the police force, all the detective work, you know, you're really trying to discern clues to then be able to see the pattern, understand, and act accordingly. I mean, think about all what goes into detective work to try and find the guy who committed the crime. You got to recognize patterns. So, like, we're we are programmed, we're hardwired to recognize patterns. Well, guess what? That's what's supposed to be in the scripture stuff too. But it's like I don't know why no one's ever kind of connected these dots for us. But you know, again, like uh, this is really cool. My son just had this group. They're just starting this prayer group, so they invited all these different kids to come over. And then, uh, so I had I haven't seen a bunch of these kids. It's kind of friends of friends and their yeah, kids yeah, now. Right. And so then, like this one kid came and he goes, "I said I don't know your name, but I know who you're from. Like I knew right, his parents because right, 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 you, you yeah. can see the sure. see you know the pattern of of his own looks from his mom and dad, who I know. So I mean, everybody's got their own pattern, right? We each each have our own fingerprints, right? We all look a certain way. We're images of God, but we're also images at, at our parents. But you know, ag- again, just a couple more examples. The other day, I was taking some limbs, bringing them down to throw them in this woods by our house. And then I noticed a rectangular paper pattern with green ink on it. And I thought, that's not supposed to be here. And lo and behold, it was a $20 bill. I was like, sweet. I like that pattern. <laughs> yeah, that was a nice pattern. And then I was taking a walk on this one path. And then I noticed that as I went around for the second time, there it, it kind of looked like a stick, but it was in the shape of an S 
right in front of me, and I realized that is not supposed to be there. And lo and behold, that was a snake. <laughs> you know, so I was uh-huh. like, anyways, I could recognize patterns that were supposed to be for my good and and not <laughs> supposed to be for my good. So, and then recently, like my daughter, she's been into puzzles lately. I mean, she can crank out like a five hundred piece puzzle in a in a night. Oh, wow. And then, so you think about the patterns of a puzzle piece, and so you might have the pattern on, on the box. But then you have to take the individual pieces and then put them together. And even the individual little edges of the puzzles to fit them together, that's kind of what the scriptures are. You know, if you go to the cathedral, right, like you did today, you look up at the mosaics. Incredible. Think about all those pieces. So, again, we, we got prophecies, predictions, prefigurements, puzzles, pieces, all this letter P. But it's, it's, it all comes down to the big P of God's plan that, like, uh, you remember the old show A-Team? <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Now, okay. the fool. <laughs> right now, the guy Hannibal, what did he always love to say? I love it when a plan comes <laughs> right, together yeah, look at with you. a cigar. A little TV trivia going yeah. on, right? So anyways, that that is what it really is. The, the, the real A-team leader God is making the plan come together. So our Father's plan from Genesis to Jesus and beyond, there is something going on here. So we want to kind of look at that. I mean, and then again, just to kind of highlight this other movie, like for any Star Wars fans out out there, you know, like back in the day in the late 70s when Star Wars first came out, I guess now that's called number four, five, and six. Yeah, something like that. And then they had, you know, one and two come out. But then when you saw how Anakin became Darth Vader in the in, in number three. You're like, that's how the story fit together. And so it's like when when you see Christ come in to the in, into the center of this great drama, that's how the story comes together. He is the one who in all converges. And again, what's also about you know about all this, just think of the term of foreshadow. I mentioned it before. So that all these persons, places, things, they they're gonna foreshadow some fulfillment. And that if this was great, if the Old Testament type was only a shadow of the light, then imagine what must be the power of the light itself. So again, this is what's really cool to think about is that these two shed light on each other. And you can say, wow, if th- again, if this was great here, how much, much more it would it'd be here. So the Catechism su- summarizes this all up in article number 128. It says the church, as early as apostolic times... The- and then constantly in her tradition, has illuminated the unity of the divine plan in the two testaments through typology, which discerns in God's works of the old covenant prefigurations of what he accomplished in the fullness of time in the person of his incarnate son. So again, Christians, this goes on to number 129, Christians read the Old Testament in light of the Christ crucified and risen. So it says such typological reading discloses the inexhaustible content of the Old Testament. So we got to read them both in tandem. Right. There's a great line that says, the new is in the old implicit, the old is in the new explicit. The new is in the old inferior, the old is in the new superior. The new is in the old concealed, the old is in the new revealed, the new is in the old contained, the old is in the new explained. Well done. Yeah, so you're like, if you if uh, you ever watched Steve Ray's Footprints of God series, you know, the, uh, he, he really goes into some of these, and it's just great to kind of have it all contrasted. So recently, uh, in at, I don't know if it was um, the second or third week of Easter, but it was the, the gospel about the road to Emmaus. Mm-hmm, you know? right. And if you recall the scene, you know, they're all uh, dejected. They're thinking this was the Messiah. The two disciples are walking back. All of a sudden, someone comes in the road. We know it's later on revealed to be the Lord. And he said, uh, he said to them, Luke 25, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary 
that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory. And then here's the key line, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Yeah. That would have been a great conversation to kind of listen on. We get glimpses of it now through all these discussions. But you look at like, um, you know, Bishop Barron gave this great homily recently that I was um, listening to. And then he, he says this, like about these two disciples. He goes, what don't they get? They don't get the pattern, the pattern that brings all this data together and makes them coherent. It's that old phenomena. You can see it in different ways in life where we see what's in front of us, but we don't get it. We hear a joke. But the light doesn't go on and we don't laugh. We don't get it. Some people are very attentive. They see what's going on, but they're not very intuitive. They don't see the patterns. That's a large part of learning, isn't it? So he talks all about this pattern. And then he says, again, Jesus, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, interpreted to them what referred to him in all the scriptures. So what's the Lord doing? He's looking back at all the writings, what a first century Jew would have recognized as the word of God called the Old Testament. So then he's like, okay, what is Genesis about? Well, we don't know it until we read it through the lens of Christ. What about Exodus? We don't know it until we read it through the lens of Christ. What about Isaiah? We don't fully know it until we read it through the lens of Christ, David, Solomon, etc. So the Lord went and showed him like, okay, this is all about me. And then bam, the lights should have gone on. So like it says that we're not our hearts burning within us. So my goal, hopefully here today, is, as we go through some of these, is just to kind of say, oh my gosh, I never have read the Old Testament like this, and then how much light it sheds on. Now, we should get it because every Sunday at Mass, what happens? First reading is typically from the Old Testament, right? And then gospel is usually paralleled. So that I'm sure, Peter, with your scriptural grasp, you, That's can, say, me. you can say... I can hear the Old Testament reading and actually kind of can maybe predict what the gospel is going to be or vice versa. You know, it's kind of like the old joke. I remember talking to this guy. His name is Frank Runyon. He used to be like on these soap operas years ago on Days of Our or whatever it was. And then he was talking about how um, he got out of that and then got into making kind of like biblical dramas and stuff. He's very good. But he, he talked about that working for uh, – the soap opera company, you know, I guess Days Were Lies, he thought he was going to get paid by what CBS or ABC, whatever it was. But he said his paycheck was by Procter & Gamble, by the, by the soap companies. And, and, and the intent was that he had kind of learned that, you know, the goal of the soap opera was to get people to buy soap products. That's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you should be able to almost watch a, a – com- uh, like a program. And when you look at the commercials, you can see who their target audience is. You know, like if I'm going to be watching a rodeo, you know, what are they going to be selling? You know, maybe uh, big old tires or. <laughs> well, that's the way it's supposed to work, right? Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's it's kind of the uh, the marketing. But anyways, in terms of like the scriptures, you know, um, we should be able to kind of recognize either if we hear the gospel or the first reading, what the parallel text is. Yeah. You know, so again, Catechism 1094, you look at all these um, these harmony, it says, of these two, two Testament, and it says, it, this unveils what lay hidden under the letter of the Old Testament, which is the mystery of Christ. Then it just mentions a, a few things about how, like, the flood and the ark prefigured salvation by baptism, as did the cloud and the crossing of the Red Sea. We talk about how the man in the desert prefigured the Eucharist, the true bread from heaven. So... When you look at these various persons, places, scenes, things, you should say, huh, it points to Christ. So then ponder this. 
How just in a surface read would or thinking about it, would you think about Jesus as the new Adam, the new Melchizedek, the new Isaac, the new Jacob, the new jo- Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Samuel, David? That's what we're going to get into, kind of in in in, in part two of this when we. Uh, Come back later from the break. But it's going to be amazing to ponder the persons, the places, the things, and the events. And and you know the music is coming, so we have a two-minute uh, break. And this is your opportunity to go out and tell people to join us here on the radio. You mentioned the road to Emmaus. I'll, I'll tell you what hits me on that. We, we talk about how this, you know, the Sola Scriptura folks, they say you don't need anybody to interpret the Bible. You know what? These people lived the New Testament, saw it, and they still needed Jesus to help them out. So join us again. We're going to be back in two minutes. Have a couple of friends join. Hi, this is Matt Logaman with St. Joseph Radio with a great gift idea, a St. Benedict bracelet, a trendy accessory for men, women, and children that not only looks good on everyone's wrist, but is actually armor for the spiritual battlefield. This unique bracelet is handmade in Europe and contains 10 medals within the braided cord in the adult size and seven medals in the children's size. On the front of each beautiful medal is St. Benedict holding a cross in his right hand, the object of his devotion. On the back of each medal is a cross. Surrounding the back of the medal and cross are the letters V. B-R-S-N-M-V-S-M-Q-L-I-V-B. In Latin reference, which translates, Be gone, Satan. Never tempt me with your vanities. What you offer me is evil. Drink the poison yourself. And finally, located at the top is the word Pax, which means peace. All bracelets come packaged with an informational card and the St. Benedict blessing, which your local priest can administer. This gift is for everyone you love and care about, including yourself. Available from St. Joseph Radio. Check the website at www.saintjosephradio.net. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the Pro-Life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. Welcome back to St. Joseph Radio Presents. I'm your host today, Peter Karutz. We're live in studio with Sean Miller. He is the DRE over at Immaculate Heart of Mary in New Melly, which is a short drive away. It is a cool place, cool church, really cool church, uh, great pastor, um, and, I'm, and, and, a, and I think I already said a good German butcher shop over there. <laughs> anyway, we are talking about reasons for God, and this is typology, which I think is one of the coolest things that you don't get unless you dig a little bit deeper yeah, into yeah. the scriptures. So what are we going to do? Well, like, Where is this typology so taken So first of all, you know, I think we're made to connect the dots. You know, like God fathers children. He doesn't just give them everything, right? So he, he might give you the dots, but you got to kind of connect them. That takes a little bit of study, you know, work, because he wants us to kind of claim it for ourselves. So that th- this is the, the gift of scriptural study, is that we gotta, you got to dig for gold. You know, and so hopefully that maybe this can spur people on to kind of dig a little bit more. But the the, the whole principle of this is what St. Irenaeus, and this is back in the 2nd century, 
St. Irenaeus talked about this word called recapitulation, which basically Christ is going to be, um, when he comes, he recapitulated, he kind of restored, redid in himself this long history of fallen, broken eggs, beginning with Adam. But again, one of the cool things, as I mentioned before, is that uh, when you're studying typology, that they're meant to shed light on each other. So, for instance, just as one example, you think about when the Lord um, made Peter the, the head of his church. You are Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. So King Jesus is making Peter the prime minister of his kingdom. Now, that brings on it, – it doesn't really make sense unless you understand that Christ comes as the new David. Who, who was the, the, the king as the son of David, in a sense, like Solomon who built the temple. So Christ is coming as, as king to restore the kingdom. He asks us to pray that, but he, he, he establishes it. We call it the church, but really the church is a fulfillment of the kingdom of God that kind of began you know, through Adam as it grew from, from, through a, from a family, from a, from a tribe, et cetera. So then, so then if you look back to like Isaiah 22, 22, that's where you, know, you hear about David having a prime minister in his kingdom. You what know. is open will remain open, and what you shut remains shut. Yeah, so he's saying kind of almost the same words verbatim. So then you're like, oh, Christ came to form a kingdom. Peter's the prime minister. That makes sense. You know, and again, like we're gonna, if we have time, we'll get into Mary. Like she is the queen mother of the kingdom, you know, because the the, the king's wife was never the queen. It was Because the there were wife. a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, um, so again, understand the word. Recapitulation. Let's go back to some of the pieces. We, we talked about Pentecost, prophecies, prefigurements, you know, puzzle pieces, but this is all part of the plan, you know, and it's beautiful to ponder it. So um, if we look at Jesus, the new Adam, remember in, in Romans chapter 5, Paul had said that Adam was a type of the one who is to come. And there's other times that Paul uses that word. But uh, I mean, I'm just going to do a quick kind of summary of some of these things. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, what's really cool is what I did here is that I took all the various scripture passages that kind of are parallels, and then I try to find sacred art to kind of link it to each other. That way, if I ever give a PowerPoint presentation, speaking of peace, uh, then you know you can kind of see it. Because a picture's worth a thousand words. Yes, it is. I mean, I can say, you know, Genesis 3.15, and you can have this text, but like when you see a picture, you're like, that, that is cool, you know, uh, really to kind of contrast the two. And again, I think this is what the Lord wants us to see. All right, so then I, I took this from, you know, again, I mentioned Steve Ray's Footprints of God series. If you haven't seen it, please go online and, and watch it because he's very good at showing not just the person of, of Christ as being the fluent, but all these, all these other things like baptism and Eucharist. All, I mean, all the sacraments are there. All the feast days are there. So again, just listen to this. So this is Jesus and, and the new Adam. Two sinless Adams approached by the devil struggle in two gardens at two trees and experience two deaths because of one sin. Adam's disobedience at the tree of life brought about death, but Jesus' obedience at the tree of death brought about life. Adam was naked without shame and because of sin had to be clothed. Jesus was clothed, but to pay the price for the sin was stripped naked and shamed. The first Adam had separated mankind from God. The last Adam, Jesus Christ, hung between heaven and earth as the one mediator who could bring God and man back together again. So when you just kind of compare those two, obviously, you know, this whole thing about Christ being crucified in a garden, mentioning this day will be with me in paradise. He's by, he's on this tree. He's being hung. He's by this woman who will recognize as the new Eve. It's like, huh, that's kind of coincidental, isn't it? Yeah. You think about the curse of the fall with 
sweat and thorns. And here's the Lord's sweat blood. He's crowned with thorns. So there's all kinds of things you can kind of go into with Jesus as the new Adam. I mean, even, even the Lord's favorite title of himself, son of man. I mean, Adam means, means man. So now he's the son of man, the son of Adam, son of Abraham, son of David. He's going to take this all into himself. So then again, he's going to recapitulate um, in, his, in his ministry everything that the first Adam did wrong. I mean, you know, I even like the image of like, you know, if you look at at the fall, it's a great way. It's like, you know, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And really the fall, I've had a significance. Where does the Lord go? Where's the lowest point on earth to kind of almost symbolize the fall of man? It's down by the Dead Sea at the Jordan River. And that's where he kind of begins his public ministry. It's almost like what was a paradise has now become a desert. It's a Dead Sea. And Christ is going to take that and start it out, you know, and then go for it. So, again, that's just a little sampling. I, I can go through a bunch of other, other scriptures Hit, hit here. Jesus one more time, right? So we have Adam, and then we have a prefigurement of Jesus that I think we often hear is Melchizedek. So who is Melchizedek? Melchizedek is the king of Salem. He is the king of peace, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And what is, what is Melchizedek? He is a king. He's a prophet. And... And uh, king, prophet, and uh, priest. Yeah, right. Right. Where's right. Jesus? Jesus is a king, prophet, and priest. And what was the main thing that Melchizedek did? He brought out a he, sacrifice of bread and wine. A bread and wine. Yeah. yeah. So it's like it's interesting when you look at this. It, just to go back to that, you know, both Jesus and Melchizedek both have parallel names. They're titles. I mean, Melchizedek means king of righteousness, right? Jesus is called righteous. Both are recognized as kings of Jeru Salem. King of Peace. That's where Melchizedek was, right? Both are spoken of without having a certain genealogical or, or hereditary tie. Both are priests of God, and as priests, both offered bread and wine as a thanksgiving, blessing to God for deliverance from enemies. So again, those are just parallels from the book of Hebrews, Matthew, etc. But going back to Genesis 14, where we just spoke about with with um, Adam, you know, begins in Genesis. But, th- but again, who is who is next to Adam? It's Eve, Eve. and then. If God is going to, you know, reverse, recapitulate, restore, it would make sense that there's a second Eve. If there's a second, if there's a second Adam, and Eve means woman. Yeah, yeah, Eve. Right. Yeah, she means woman, and she, and then she's called mother. Right. Mother, so it's yeah. interesting when you have these these terms that, um, you know, that the Lord is going to use at the height of His ministry and death in, in the garden, on the tree. You know, in in this place. So, what one quick thing? I mean, we're we're in the month of May here, so it's always great to focus about uh, you know Mary. And but we got to get this straight. You know, there's a, there's a line in the Catechism that says that what the Catholic faith believes about Mary is based on what it believes about Christ, and what it teaches about Mary illumines in turn its faith in in Christ. So again, it's really cool if you look at the the Latin name. You know, like Eva, you know, E V A. If you kind of reverse that, A V A V E Ave. You know that they've kind of contrasted that is like you know Ave, which is kind of a short term for Ave Maria. She's like the reversal of Eve. So just in, in that word alone. But then you think about this, you know, the early church fathers says that basically, you know, death comes through Mar- uh, Eve, life comes through through Mary. You know, the knot of Eve's disobedience was untied by Mary's obedience. What the Virgin Eve bound through her disbelief, Mary loosened by her faith. So, just to make a kind of quick run through of some of the parallels here. So obviously, there's a lot. Well, when God made Eve, right, He made her in His image, and she was very good, and she was sinless, right? So He wouldn't make her with sin. So she was quote immaculately conceived without sin. 
Now, that's kind of interesting, right? Because we have a dogmatic definition of Our Lady back in 1854 that she was conceived without sin. The church has defined what already was the case. So the Immaculate Conception. Now, again, if God is going to restore, isn't it not fitting? If he's going to bring a new Adam into the world without sin, he's also going to bring this new Eve. And so she is full of grace. Grace excludes sin. So then, but where does it begin? Well, both are approached by an angel in a test of faith and obedience. Both give consent to receiving a fruit, fruit of thy womb, Jesus. One, the first fruit, brings a curse. This one brings a blessing. So you think about just that scene of the Annunciation. So here she is. She's without sin. She's approached by an angel. They both give their consent, one bad, one good. Now, go, go back to John chapter 2 and the scene at Cana, right? Both lead their atoms to another fruit, which will lead to their hour of death. One to commit the first of his sins, the other to commit the first of his signs. You know, it's really cool because God foretold, like, if you eat of this fruit, this you will die. And that that brought upon the hour of their death, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. And, yet, and at this, you know, like, when, when the Lord says to her lady, like, what is this to me and, and to thee? You know, why do you want me to do this? She prompts him, which is if God has kind of put the role of New Eve in her hands to prompt the Savior to partake of a new fruit that would lead to his hour. And what did Jesus call his mom? Woman. <laughs> right. So... Both are called woman by their respective atoms. Yeah. Now, it was not, I mean, people get that, like, you know, like, this is not a title, like, hey, woman, go get me a beer. This is not like a modern day macho no. thing. This is like a yeah. title of, of great respect, Absolutely. endearment, like, great lady. And no one, the Lord would never insult his mother in public. So this, this evokes, yeah. because, I mean, how does John's gospel begin? In the beginning, that evokes right. Genesis. And we could do a study on that to say, like, okay, this is the day. And, and for our listeners, let's remember as, as Sean is going through this, realize this, that the type is always inferior to the reality, the <laughs> ultimate goal. So Jesus is better than his types, right? Mary is better than her types. If Eve was created sinless, the reality has to be created sinless as well. So remember, whenever we talk about this, the type is a is a shadow. The reality is the well, it's the reality. It's yeah, it's shadow versus light. Yeah. You know, it's spark versus flame. And um, you know, so again, like someone said, if you could make your own mother, yeah. And you were divine, right. how would you make her? Sure. So when we get to about when we talk about the Ark of the Covenant, we're gonna say, mm. oh wow, this this is why they were so meticulous in preparations for the Ark. But just to kind of go back, so now again, we mentioned both are called woman by their respective atoms. So again, John writes bookends, John chapter two, John nineteen, those are bookends because then you hear Jesus speaking about woman again when he's on the cross. Right. You know, he ev- he evokes woman. That's the only two times he calls our lady right. woman at these two bookends. And so at this great hour of trial. Betrayed by a serpent. This is kind of interesting because it says that, you know, at the at the Last Supper, it says Satan entered into Judas and he'd betray him. You know, go back to you know in 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 the garden. So at a, at the great hour of trial, betrayed by a serpent, both are present by their naked Adam, in a garden by a tree under threat of death. Right. So again, when you hear the Lord say, "Woman, behold thy son," this goes back to Genesis. You know, he, he, is, he is recapitulating, restoring. This is his great work. And then it's almost like he uses the reference woman in relationship to him. Uh-huh. But then when he's talking to the disciple, who's kind of really symbolic of the church, 
He says, behold, your Her mother. mother. Eve is the mother of all mankind. Yeah. Mary is now the mother of all mankind right. and all the saved. Yes, when you think about it, that's that's a great point. Eve is mother of the living, and yet, you know, and now Mary is really the, the archetype, the mother of the church. It's got the great line in uh, Revelation 12. We have this image of John sees this woman clothed with the sun, and it says that the dragon was there trying to kill her and her offspring. And then it went, went to make war against all those of her offspring, all those who, who um, hold fast to the commandments That's and right. give testimony yeah. to Jesus. So it's like John, again, who wrote the book of Revelation, is saying, this is the woman. This is the woman. This is the mother. And this is Mary. I mean, we call the church our our mother, but Mary is kind of the, the real sign, the symbol, what the church is supposed to be, continually giving birth to her children, you know, et cetera. So, so again, those are just kind of some simple parallels. When when you look at um, some of the artwork, and there's so many, so much beautiful artwork there, um, just to kind of compare and, and and contrast, it's really good. But Again, this goes back, when you think of Our Lady, it, it goes back to the great first prophecy, Genesis 3.15. Remember after the fall, God says to, to Satan, you know, who symbolized in the serpent, I will put enmity, hostility between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So it's like just as Adam and Eve had, 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 a, had a role together in the fall, so too you're going to see this new Adam and this new Eve have a role together in the restoration. Ultimately, Adam was responsible because God's the one who told him directly, you know, you may not eat the fruit of the trees. So it, it assumes like maybe Adam told Eve this, but then so like she's getting it secondhand. But after after his fall, that was the one. So it's like when you compare Jesus to new Adam, you know, obviously being divine, he is over and above anything that Our Lady is. But she had a role to play in this restoration. And so I always love the images when it says, you know, when it says, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his seal, you see these statues of Our Lady where she's standing on a serpent, you know. Now, it's not Our Lady alone, you know, all those statues typically look at the little bump in her belly. She's pregnant with the, the Lord there, and they're going to both crush the head of of Satan there. So it's a it's a, it's a beautiful thing just to, to kind of ponder these various, you know, things of woman, mother, crush. And, and then... Um, one one last thing I, I just want to mention while while we're on this, you know, is that Mary is uh, the new Eve, but you can also look at you know like a double parallel with the church as being the new Eve. Because if you recall in the beginning, like what happened when Adam was sleeping, God caused his side to be open. It says it in the translation. It says he took a rib and he fashioned from that his Eve. You know, from the womb of man. Yeah, yeah. So it's like. It was it was actually from from the rib, but the but the term rib, the same term is used when Jesus' side is pierced. The word side and rib are the oh, same term. Oh, is that right? Oh. And so from his side comes blood, blood and water, water, baptism. I mean, there's symbols of baptism and Eucharist, and out of that comes like the life. Think about how you were born in blood and water. Right. This is the life of the church. So it's almost like Mary represents. No, Mary is there. By the new Eve, I'm sorry, by the, the new Adam during his sleep of death, you know, out comes out of, out of the side these two symbols of what gives us new life in church, right? And, and How, this is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm your host, Peter Kruitz, and we're with Sean Miller, and we are talking about reasons for God, specifically typology. Yeah, so in, in, our, in our time left, just want to mention about Mary Newark of the Covenant. I mean, this is, this is my favorite title. And this so, is it, my favorite, It, it is, because there's, there's so much there. Um, 
You know, even the catechism speaks about, like, specifically, it says, Mary is the daughter of Zion, the Ark of the Covenant, the place where the glory of the Lord dwells. Who says dwells. this? This is in the catechism. Okay. 2676. Um, now, so set the stage briefly. Um, Exodus, God has, you know, offers meticulous details about how he wants this Ark of the Covenant built. Because this is where he's going to dwell amongst men. So he's like, you know, it's got to be built out of acacia wood. It's got to be covered in gold. It's going to have these angels over it. And then once they put that in this in this tent structure thing called a tabernacle, the glory of God dwells. It overshadows this ark. So now, if that thing was massively holy, nobody could touch it. You know, only, the, only the high priest would go in, and, in inside once a year. There was a scene where somebody touched it and they and Accidentally. They died. <laughs> yeah, right. and he, he died. He died. But now, I want to get into that scene when this guy touches. So remember, if you recall the scene, David is going to bring the ark up. Like, you know, he's been commissioned by God to say, I'm going to build you everlasting kingdom. He gets excited. He's going to bring us into Jerusalem. So... In 2 Samuel 6, it kind of speaks about this scene where David is going to bring this ark, right? So 2 Samuel 6, I'm going to contrast this with Luke chapter 1, right? So 2 Samuel 6, 2, it says, David arose and went to Judah to bring up the ark of God. He went to meet the ark. David arose and went to Judah to bring up the ark of yep. God. In Luke 139, it says, Mary arose and went to Judah. Now, this is the scene of her right. visitation, right? She's going to go to Elizabeth. So she's just been given the annunciation of the right. angel. She's going to go forth. So then 2 Samuel 6, 9, David says, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? Luke 143, Elizabeth says, who am I that the mother of the Lord should come to me? It's like, hmm, that sounds kind of like almost the same verbiage. 2 Samuel 6, 16, David leapt before the ark. Luke 141, Elizabeth's baby leapt in her womb before Mary. 2 Samuel 6, 11, the ark stayed there for three months. Luke 156, Mary stays there for guess how long? Three months. Three months, go figure. It says the Lord blessed the household of Obed-Edom in 2 Samuel 6, 11. Two Sam, or in Luke 142, it says, you know, the word blessed is used for Mary's presence in, in, in the home. It's used three times. Now, it says in 2 Samuel 6, 15, David brings the ark up with great shouting. Luke 1.42, it said, Elizabeth exclaimed with a loud cry, you among women, blessed is the fruit of your womb. I, I say that because scholars have shown that the Greek word Luke uses to describe Elizabeth's loud cry of joy, it's not used anywhere else in the, in the New Testament. It's only found in five places in the Greek Old Testament, and it's every time used to describe exaltation before the, the Ark. Ark of the Covenant. Ha. So it's obvious that what's Luke trying to show here? Mary is the ark, you, you the like, new ark of the new covenant. Yeah, and it's like people say, well, why didn't he just come out and just say it you know, directly? Oh, that's not the way the Jews did it. <laughs> right. But plus, Our Lady was probably still living when he wrote it, you know, yeah. and, it's, and I think maybe out of humility. I don't know. But the, the Jews in Old, Old, Old Testament, I won't take no, you off okay. this, they, their vocabulary was relatively limited. So what did they do? They repeated things. You'll look in the Old Testament and you'll find that they say the same thing a couple of times to emphasize the meeting. This is what the Jews did. This yeah. is how they communicated yeah. an important matter. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like, as I've been going through these parallels. So again, I've got, you know, uh, David, Samson, Isaac, Joshua, Moses, and all these guys here. And then just when you, I mean, read Luke chapters one, two, and three over again and then try and draw out. I mean, there's there's mention of Samson, of Samuel, you know, of of Hannah, 
and then of this arc, it's it's just really amazing. But just to kind of stick to our theme here now, this is really cool. Is that is that after the Ark of the Old Covenant was was built, you know, again with acacia wood covered in gold. I mean, acacia wood is like this incorruptible wood. It was like the wood of woods, and then covered in gold, gold, pure gold. So it's going to be pure and incorruptible, you know, in inside and out. So then it says that when it was all done and they went to bring it into the tabernacle, it says that God, you know, overshadowed it. His presence overshadowed the ark with this glory cloud, the Shekinah glory cloud. Now, go figure, the similar term is used when Mary consents to the angel Gabriel. And, you know, the angel says that you, you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. You know, and this this sun will be great. So this this term that's used um, is meant to call to mind what this is. So if God overshadowed the ark and it was so holy, then what what's going to be happening with Our Lady? She's going to be overshadowed with the presence of God, who's going to dwell within her very being. Now, again, you look at what was in the ark of the covenant. What what tell did me it what was in the ark of the covenant? Well, if you read in Deuteronomy, Exodus, Numbers, it says that. Well, first of all, this was the covenant was in the Ark of the Covenant, the covenant words, the Ten Commandments, literally the ten words of God on stone. And then it was a jar of the manna, right, the, you know, the, the daily bread that was given from heaven that was placed in, in the Ark, Exodus 16, 31. And then Aaron, the high priest, um, had his staff placed in the Ark, which is a symbol of his priesthood and of his authority. So you think, okay, now, what if there's any parallels I wonder. with that? So like, okay, the ten words were on stone... Well, the actual, the word it in flesh. The, the word of God. <laughs> is in her being. Right. It wasn't just a jar of the heavenly bread, you know, the super heavenly bread of manna. This is the bread of life. The bread from heaven. The bread from heaven. I am the bread of life, you know. If your fathers ate manna in the desert and they died, what am I? This is the bread that gives eternal life. Yeah. And, and then, you know, you had the high priest staff, but then you've got the high priest himself. Jesus, the high priest. Right. Yeah. You know, his own, I mean, we forget sometimes about the Lord being the high priest, but here he is, and it's a symbol of his His authority. So these these, these great things are meant to say, now this is one little thing, one little caveat. Remember when David uh, was afraid to bring the ark into his home because he saw that the guy named Uzzah reached out, accidentally touched it, and died? And said David was afraid to bring the ark into his home, you know? And I think there's a parallel there with Joseph, which we don't have time to get into. Like Joseph, knowing this is the new ark, this is the, the the virgin who shall conceive. There's this whole, you know, like the reverend theory. Like Joseph was like, I'm afraid to bring the ark, this woman, into my home. I mean, it gives a new spin on understanding why Joseph may have had a little bit of hesitation. Who am I, Lord, that the ark of the Lord should come to me? And we know that once someone or something is dedicated to the Lord, it's consecrated. It is forever consecrated. It has no other purpose. It is consecrated to the Lord. So the ark clearly was consecrated to the Lord. We know what happened to, to, to that man who, is it Odom? Uzzah. Was Uzzah, Uzzah. Uzzah. He died, right? So clearly... Mary was the new ark, and no one would ever touch her. Yeah, this so, is God's spouse, spouse of the right. Holy Spirit. We're out of time. We are massively out of time. So please, remember, you can call us and get one of these, uh, a copy of these tapes anytime. 636-447-6000. Come back and see us next week. 
You've been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents. Well, I, uh, I, I want to go back to one thing. We, what we didn't, and, and so here's a, here's a bonus little two minutes. One of the things we didn't talk about is how do we encourage people to, to join the church? And, and I really think that we have to first open ourselves to the possibility that God could use us and then embrace those things, mm-hmm. embrace those opportunities. And sometimes you only have a word or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on vacation in Mexico, and I didn't have my contacts on, so I couldn't hardly see a thing. <laughs> but apparently, people knew I was from St. Louis because I had a Cardinals hat on. And this, this young girl with her mom and her dad, we chatted up about the Cardinals. And then uh, they left, and he came up to me, and he starts talking. He says, well, you're Catholic. I have no idea why he thinks I'm Catholic. And he's angry, and he's upset. And, and I am in a, you know, in a very you know, heady way talking about why the church is right and what, where the, you know, what, what we ought to do and the apologetics. Yeah. He's not having anything of it. And he said, my son was killed at 19. And there can't be a good and loving God yeah. who would kill my son. Right, yeah. And I realized at that moment, I have nothing to say. So the only thing I said is, God loves you, and he does have a plan for you. Because I didn't know what else to say. Open yourself up to an encounter with other folks and share what you have. Share your faith. Even if you don't know what to do, the Holy Spirit will finish it up. Well, yeah, these biblical typologies, you know, it's it, it's to highlight that God has a plan. You know, that God writes straight with crooked lines. So, what seems to be a defeat in one era can be used in the next as some kind of fulfillment to 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 conquer. So, it's like we don't know our part in the plan. We walk by faith, not by sight. But you're like, just try and persevere. Talk about the letter P that we've been talking about. Is just persevere and say, I'm I'm just a little mosaic in this great scheme of things, and. Uh, Lord, use me where, where you want. Uh, I, did, I went to this graduation, and you know they were talking about all these lofty things. Follow your passion. Do great things. It's like, just stay faithful and let the Lord do great things in you. It's not about you. It's like you just being you yielding to the Spirit, and then, you know, regardless of what you think of success, if you know, I just don't want you to be a cosmic failure and and flunk life through going to hell willfully. You know, it's like, but if you're open to God's Spirit, it's like whether you accomplish great things, world or not. You might save souls. Absolutely right. And, and, and that's the key. And that's where, where your life can be healed or expanded when you realize that, that God has a great plan. I, I remember my oldest daughter, when she was under two, couldn't 
talk very much, maybe just a little under one, over one. And she's riding this Mr. Cappy down the street, and I'm kind of r- walking behind her, then I'm running behind her, and I see she's going to hit this bump in the curb. And she does a header, does a face plant on the cement, and she is bleeding everywhere. <laughs> yeah. She reached her arms up to me, and I scooped her up, and I took her home. She was hurting. She was in pain. She didn't understand, but she knew Dad will take care of her. That's that peace and joy you have when you come running to the Lord, right? And when you want to push him away and say, I don't understand the hurt, you need to say, I know God will take care of me. I know he loves me. So share this with people. We need to, especially today, we need to, we need to, we need to address the hurt but with the solution that it's it's God who will make it right. Yeah, you know, one, one of the things, like I remember years ago, listened to someone about like when you're talking to people who are wounded because of the, it's, it's really the problem of evil. Sure. Why could yeah. all loving God allow this to happen? Absolutely. You know? And really our answer is, is that I don't know the reason why this happened to you. And maybe you will never know in this life, but I know someone who does know. Right. And I think, and that's, that makes all the difference in the world. And you're just putting the foot in the doorway, right? It's just a crack, right? And, and you can't make this person's life change or turn on a dime, but you can drop that seed. Yeah. And let God do the rest. As we said in the beginning of this, open yourself up to allowing God to work through you, and He will. Mm -hmm. See you soon.